Wonderful. So grateful to God for our student leaders and for the investment they make into our students. Congratulations. Uh, Janelle Jody is dancing in the back, which is code for make sure you remember to dismiss the kindergarten through fifth graders. And so I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And so if you are in kindergarten through fifth grade and you're one of the ones crawling under the barbed wire next week, uh, pulling a tractor, you are dismissed. We'll see you in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, uh, you can follow along on your electronic device if you have one, or the passage will be on the screen for you. We're going to read this passage, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, and then we'll pray together. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Uh, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ, uh, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Would you pray with me? I want you to take a moment, if you would, and uh, you pray for you. Uh, you know you better than I know you, and so just pray that God uh, would meet you in your need uh, this morning and that his word would speak uh, to you. And if you would be so kind, would you pray for me that I would be clear this morning and that God would use me in pointing you to his son, Jesus. Father God, thanks so much for the opportunity that we have to open your word and to hear from you. I thank you that you've spoken to us through your Son and by your Spirit. I thank you for your Word that's living and active. Lord, thank you for how you still use it to form and shape your people. And so I pray that you would do that now. I pray that you would form and shape us. Lord, I pray specifically and particularly for our students. As we remember them this morning, as we honor them, I pray that these words would make a lasting difference in their hearts and in their lives. Um, for all of eternity. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would do a good work for your name's sake, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when I was in school, I loved, loved uh, summer vacation. Uh, I loved the end of school. I loved uh, dreaming about how I was going to spend my summer. Uh, I loved staying up late and playing outside with my friends. Uh, I loved causing appropriate trouble uh, with my older brother. It mostly was his fault. Um, I, I loved summer, but one of the challenges that I quickly learned about summer is that when I would come back to school after a long summer, um, everything, nearly everything that I had remembered the previous year, I forgot. 
I don't know if you've ever had this experience before where you learn new ideas and concepts and then you forget them. Uh, it happens. It happened to me. It's still happening to me. And so this morning, I want to give our students a five reminders to tuck away, uh, not just this summer, uh, but hopefully uh, for the rest of your life. Now, listen, I know that that's kind of a big ask, uh, and yet uh, this has been my prayer uh, for this week, is that God would use these words in your life to form and shape you. And so I want to uh, point out five reminders uh, from Paul as he writes to the church at Colossae uh, in Colossians chapter 1, okay, in this passage that we just read. The first truth that I want you to remember, students, is remember, uh, if you follow Jesus, uh, you will suffer. If you follow Jesus, you will suffer. Now, I know you probably hear that and think, oh boy, thanks a lot for that one. Um, like, thanks for starting off with the good news, uh, but... Uh, it's true. Um, if you follow Jesus, uh, you will suffer. The Christian life is hard, right? It's, it's difficult. And not everything always goes your way. It's really uh, tough at times. Uh, Paul writes to the church and says uh, to them, now I rejoice in my sufferings. That might sound a little strange to you or a little odd, uh, and yet uh, suffering marks the Christian life. Uh, suffering marked the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I just want you to listen uh, to how he describes his life with the Lord. Uh, he says, beginning in verse 23, are they servants of Christ? Uh, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea and have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, and in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Are you noticing a theme? He says, I have labored and toiled and have often been without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? That was uh, the life of the Apostle Paul. Certainly his suffering was unique, uh, but suffering is not unique to the Christian life. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul told uh, young believers, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. Through many tribulations. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, Paul suffered. His life was marked by difficulty and suffering. And I know it's easy to look at Paul's life and go, well, that was then, <laughs> this is now, that was Paul, uh, I'm not Paul, which is true. Um, however, 
uh, that does not mean that we are immune from suffering and difficulty. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 20 says, If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to, you, this has, uh, for, uh, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his footsteps. And so you uh, will follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, and Jesus' life uh, was marked by suffering. If, you su- if Jesus suffered, uh, then you also likely will suffer. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Peter said, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Um, when you suffer, um, do not be surprised as if some strange thing is happening to you. Um, you uh, will suffer. Uh, Suffering marks life in a fallen and broken world. Uh, Sometimes we suffer just because we live in a world that's hardwired not to work, and we experience um, the fallout of the fall. You have a a dream for your life. You have a way that you want things to go. You have uh, plans and a purpose for your life. You probably spend time dreaming about what your life will look like and be like 10, 20, 50 years from now. Um, And you will find throughout the course of your life uh, that it will not always play out the way that you want it to. It just won't. Like unexpected things will come your way. Uh, You will experience heartache and hardship and heartbreak, like deep wounds in life. You will suffer. Part of it is just life in a fallen world. A part of it is life following Jesus. Uh, When you follow Jesus, when you love Jesus, when you trumpet the cause of Jesus, there will be people who not only disagree with you because of your stance, but there will be people who hate you. Like when you speak and stand up for truth, there will be times when people who walked with you will tap out. You will see friends who walked beside you leave you. Uh, someday you might have to make a difficult uh, call in a job to stand up for truth, and uh, your boss or your supervisor or your manager will not agree with your decision. You may find yourself being looked over for a promotion one day because you stand for Jesus. Um, do not be surprised. Um, this is part of the life of following after Jesus. Um, the reason I tell you that is not to discourage you. I know that can sound discouraging. The reason I tell you that is to prepare you. Right? Because so many times in life we have this perception that the Christian life is going to work a certain way. Right? We're going to follow Jesus and we're going to get the girl or the boy. We're going to follow Jesus and we're going to get the job or get the promotion. Like we're going to follow Jesus and our children are going to be obedient and they're going to follow after us and they're going to appreciate us from the time that they're little kids. And then what happens is you live life and you realize that you are not immune from life in a fallen world. Right? So, so be prepared. If you think that you're going to follow Jesus and everything is going to go your way, I want you to know that it won't. There will be times when life is challenging, uh, when life is hard. And yet, 
uh, you will also find through those moments uh, that God is good. Right? So students, remember, uh, if you follow Jesus, uh, you will uh, suffer. Uh, secondly, if you follow uh, Jesus, I want you to remember uh, to live your life uh, for others. Remember to live your life for others. So remember, you will experience hardship, persecution, trials. Uh, remember uh, to live your life for others. Paul wrote to the church that he had never visited, that he did not start and spoke these words, I rejoice in my suffering for you. Like, think about that. Like, th there are times when I'm willing uh, to sacrifice for those closest to me or those that I love or to experience some level of hardship. Uh, but Paul is writing to a church that he had never visited. He had not been there. Um, he had not personally likely interacted with the vast majority of this small congregation. And yet he said to them, I am suffering for you. Listen uh, to what Paul uh, says in verses 24 and 25. And I want you to take note of how many times uh, Paul remembers the church in these words. He says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Students, live uh, your life for others. Live your life for others. I do not want you to live your life to please others um, because that is a dead-end street. Right? Paul warns against that in Galatians uh, when he writes, for I, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Students, I am not suggesting that you live your life uh, to please others. I am suggesting that you live your life uh, for uh, the sake of others. In a selfie world, live selfless. Right? In a selfie world, live selfless. Dream about ways that you can come alongside other people and serve them. Right? Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Live your life for others. God has given uh, each and every one of you students at least three things. I know more than three things, but at least three things. I want you to use them uh, to serve others. He's given you time, uh, he's given you talent, and he has given you treasure, right? He's given you a certain amount of time. It's a limited amount of time, but you have time. Uh, you have a beginning and you have an end. The psalmist uh, writes, Lord, teach us to number uh, my days, help me to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Right? All of us have a limited amount of time. Some uh, have a longer amount of time than others. Uh, but all of us have a specific amount of time. I'm suggesting uh, that you use your time uh, to serve others. When you think about your summer and you think about how you are going to spend all of your extra hours, dream about ways uh, that you can come alongside other people and serve them. Right? Serve others with the time that you have been given. Don't think strategically and constantly about ways uh, that you can better yourself or advance your own cause. Think about ways that you can come alongside 
and serve others. God's given you talent, gifts, and abilities. And they are unique to you. Use those talents, gifts, and abilities uh, to serve others. Right? Think about ways that you can serve the people around you. This is a beautiful life uh, to live. And God, believe it or not, has given you resources. Now, I know that may sound strange uh, to many of our students. Maybe you look at your bank account and think, I would like more resources. I would like more treasure. I don't have a lot of that. This is true. Uh, maybe you don't. But with what little you have, uh, think strategically about how you can give it away. Right? Think strategically about how you can advance the gospel, whether you have $100 or $1,000 or $10,000. Um, think about ways that you can live a generous life. You will not one day wake up with money and magically become generous. It doesn't happen that way. Um, we live generous lives whether we have a little or we have a lot. Um, someday you may make $50,000 or $500,000 or $5 million. Um, whatever you make and whatever you have, be generous. Think about strategic ways to be radical uh, with your giving. Right? Paul writes uh, to this church, and he is in essence saying them, I am suffering for you. Right? I'm about the advancement of the gospel for you. Right? So let's have that sort of mindset, students, as we think and as we dream about ways. Dream about a for, other, uh, for others way of life. Third, don't just live your life uh, for others. Don't just remember to live your life for others, but remember uh, God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. It's God's purpose uh, for your life. I don't know where you should go to school. I don't know who you should marry. I don't know where you should work. I don't know where you should live. Uh, but I, I do know this. I do know that, that, what, wrote, that what Paul wrote at Colossae uh, is the same purpose for us uh, as it was for him. Right, because listen, I want, you to, I want to read these verses, verses 24 through 28, and I just want you to listen for Paul's purpose for living. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you uh, to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Uh, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present uh, everyone mature in Christ. Right? So Paul in verse 24 writes uh, this verse that people quite honestly have been wrestling through, uh, I think since he wrote it. It's really difficult to understand. Uh, he says, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. When you think about the afflictions of Christ, um, Paul is not suggesting that, um, that Christ somehow did not do enough to save us. Right? He's not suggesting that Jesus got the ball to the like, two-yard line, uh, but we need to punch it in. Right? He, he is not saying that Jesus did 95% of the work, uh, but we need to finish the work for Jesus. And so what is Paul talking about? Um, this, by the way, is good when you open up the Word of God and you read something that you don't understand. Um, it's good to ask questions and go, I don't understand that. 
Like, what, what does that mean? Uh, what is he talking about? This is what I think Paul is talking about. I think Paul is talking about taking uh, the work of Jesus and what he had done and filling up what is lacking by taking that message um, to spread it uh, to people, like to go share the message face-to-face with people, to share the gospel message. Uh, what Jesus accomplished, uh, we proclaim. What Jesus accomplished, we proclaim. If you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus has invited you to share his message with others. Like this is a people of God call. This isn't just a Paul call. Like we get to do this as the people of God. We get to come alongside other people and share the gospel message with them. Paul said, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. This was Paul's uh, purpose in life. This was his heartbeat. Uh, This is why he was placed, at least in part, here on this earth. He said, I want to present other people uh, mature in Christ. I want you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. I want you to grow uh, to know Jesus and to uh, reflect Jesus. He said in verse 28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. Students, regardless of what you do, regardless of what you do, and all of you guys will do different things, right? Some of you will be a salesman or saleswoman or a CEO. Uh, Some of you may be a stay-at-home mom. Some of you uh, may be a professor or an IT specialist or an entrepreneur. Um, I don't know what you will do, Um, but whatever you do, uh, whatever you do, um, do it for God's glory. Uh, Do it so that people would look at your life and look at you and be blown away by the goodness of God. Long to see other people um, changed by God's Spirit. Um, Oftentimes, people will tell you that you need to go and you need to change the world. Um, When I always heard that, I was exhausted. Um, I thought the world's a big place, um, and I don't know if I can change the world. But I feel like God places us in a little part of the world, Right? And he puts people around us, people that we grow to know and walk with, like friends that he brings into our lives, colleagues, uh, neighbors, um, people all over, just in our little place. Like, look around you and say, God, I want to see Christ um, mature in them. I want to see those people grow to know and to love um, God. So Paul uh, writes to this church, and, and we see all over these Uh, verses, Paul's purpose for living. And so I want you to remember God's purpose for your life, students, and I want you to remember um, God's presence. I want you to remember that as you go, um, you go with God. It says in verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, uh, the hope of glory. Um, Christ in you, are you blown away by that? I mean, think about that for a second. Uh, Paul writes to the church, people who know him and love him and follow him, and he's saying to them, I don't want you to forget that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Um, All throughout the Bible, we see different ways that God reveals himself to his people. We see God revealing himself to his people through a cloud. We see his presence in the tent of of meeting or a temple uh, when people would go and worship. But but here, uh, Paul is writing to the church and is saying to them, I want you to remember um, God's presence actually in you. 
uh, students, God is with you. He is in you um, through and by his spirit uh, when you place your faith and trust in him. Uh, recently, there was a survey that was conducted, um, it was last October, and 36% of those surveyed uh, by this national survey responded that they uh, frequently or uh, almost all of the time or all of the time uh, feel alone. Right? 36% said, I feel essentially alone some of the time or all of the time. That number with 18 to 25-year-olds um, was uh, 61%. Right, so I was just thinking, I just read this study recently, thinking 60% of 18 to 25-year-olds would readily admit that they feel alone. Have you ever felt alone before? Have you ever been in a, in a room full of people and felt alone? Have you ever been surrounded by busyness and noise and yet thought to yourself, I don't know if anyone knows me? I feel alone. Students, you ever feel that before? You ever experienced that before? You ever think that people don't know what it's like to be you or to walk in your shoes? The scripture teaches us um, that you are not alone, uh, that God is with you. God is with you, and he does not uh, leave you. God is with you when you go away to college. Uh, he is with you when you lose your first love. Uh, he is with you when you land your first job but you have no idea what you're doing. Uh, he is with you when you mess up and you want to hide. He is with you when uh, you feel forgotten. Uh, he is with you when you feel abandoned. Um, he is with you when you feel like you've messed up and gone too far and can't come back. God is with you, Christ in you. This last week I was uh, reading a devotional and I came across a passage about the life of Gideon uh, from the book of Judges. I don't know if you've ever read Judges before. Uh, if you like violence, it's a good book to read. Um, <laughs> it's like PG-13. Uh, and I was reading about the life of Gideon. I don't know if you know the story or not, but there's a cycle that takes place in the book of Judges where um, like God calls people to himself and he tells them, this is how I want you to live. And people are like, like cool. And they're, then they're like, not cool. Like we're going to go our own way and do our own thing. And so God oftentimes will send a foreign nation, a foreign land to discipline them. And the people repent and then they'll come back to the Lord and then they'll repeat the cycle. Uh, Gideon's life is fascinating. It's, it's told in uh, Judges chapter 6. And uh, Judges chapter 6 verse 1 says, the Israelites did... Uh, evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Uh, but God's people cried out to him, and God heard their cry, right? So God's people rebelled, God's people cry out to the Lord, and God hears their cry. And an angel of the Lord goes to Gideon. And I love this story. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and he said to him, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And if you know Gideon's story, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that he would not describe himself as a mighty warrior. Uh, and yet, the angel of the Lord says to him, God is, God is with you. God is with you, mighty, mighty warrior. And Gideon replied, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Right? So they're looking around and they're going, hey, this God that we read about, that we know, like it doesn't seem like he's moving and acting the way that, that I think, that we think uh, he should. 
And it says in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon replied, "Uh, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered him. This is the hope that he gave to Gideon. I think it's the same hope that we have. Uh, He said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. Um, You go and know uh, that I will be with you. Students, your great challenge in life will not not be seeing yourself as uh, too small and seeing God as too big. Um, Your greatest challenge in life will be seeing yourself as too big and God as too small. Um, God is big, right? He knows what he's doing. He's got a track record of faithfulness, like through the ages. And the God that made you and knows you and loves you is with you. Uh, God is with you. He is present. Remember uh, God's presence, and then lastly, remember God's power. Uh, Paul wrote in verse 29 and said, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And then a fascinating verse. Just look at it for a second. Stare at it for a second. For this I toil, uh, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I think this, uh, in a nutshell, is the Christian life, right? Uh, For this I toil and I struggle. Toiling and struggling. The Christian life is not passivity. Um, It is not a life of ease. It is not laziness. It's not apathy. It is not coasting. Um, The Christian life is toil and uh, it is a struggle. Uh, But uh, do you notice where the strength comes to toil and to struggle? Uh, It is not from within. Uh, God does not tell us to look within. Uh, He does not say, suck it up, buttercup. Be strong. Lift yourself up from the bootstraps. Come on, be tough. No, Paul says that we struggle and we toil with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Um, Your hope uh, in this life is that God's power uh, is in you. What God calls you to do and to be, God gives you the strength. He equips you uh, by and through his spirit. We toil, we struggle with his energy that he powerfully works uh, within us. Us. Like, how does that work? That's a great question. Uh, but I think all of us have probably had an experience before when we are facing something as the people of God and we are thinking to ourselves, there's no way on the planet I can get through this. Uh, there's no way I can do this. Um, there's no way I can move forward. Uh, and yet, and yet, uh, God graciously and mercifully uh, comes along and gives us what we need uh, when we need it. Students, um, if you follow Jesus, uh, you will suffer. Uh, remember uh, to live your life uh, for others. Uh, remember God's purpose for your life, that Christ may be mature in others. Remember that God's presence is with you, and remember uh, that God's power uh, is yours. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thanks so much for loving us. Thank you for taking good care of us. Uh, thank you for your living and active word uh, that you've given to us. Lord, I believe you still use it to form and shape us. Lord, again, I pray for our students that you would use these words uh, to mark their hearts and their lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would remember them as they uh, leave this morning. And uh, Lord, I pray that they would take them with them 
uh, for the rest of their lives. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me?